0: There were two more murders, fifteen miles well, away. They arrived. They found the telephone and electricity lines. by one investigator, is reminiscent of a weird <coughs> of murder. It's always a shock when a person who comes from a normal upbringing, one who is often described favorably, turns and becomes a monster. On November nineteenth, two thousand and two, a police officer was killed and left with a strange token. And when the killer was finally identified. Friends and family could not believe what they were hearing. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and search your day with a morning cup of murder. Andrew Mickle grew up as a fairly normal kid in Springfield, Ohio. His parents were both teachers who loved him. He never got into fights, didn't do drugs, and had a small group of friends. He wasn't Mr. Popular, but he wasn't a loner either. Once he graduated high school, he opted to enlist in the Army as a way to challenge himself rather than go to college like his friends. He served three years at Fort Campbell and rose through the ranks. But rather than continuing his military career, he finished up, came home, and dumped his bags on the porch and headed west. He became a student at the Evergreen State College, a liberal school in Olympia, Washington. While there, he became a journalist and grew extremely interested in social justice issues, not uncommon in a school like Evergreen. He was described as hardworking, polite, and respectful, which is why it came as such a shock when this normal, kind man changed so quickly. On November 19, 2002, Andrew Mickle shot and killed a police officer, David Mobilio. Officer Mobilio was at a secluded gas station filling up his patrol car in Red Bluff, California when Andrew approached him from behind and shot him twice in the back and once in the head at close range. When he was finished, he left a handmade Don't Tread on Us flag next to the body and left. Because of the time, 1.27 a.m., and the location, there were no witnesses to the crime. In fact, the crime was on its way to being unsolved when, six days later, an internet posting caught the attention of investigators. This is what it read. Hello everyone, my name's Andy. I killed a police officer in Red Bluff, California in a motion to bring attention to and halt the police state tactics that have come to be used throughout our country. Now I'm coming forward to explain that this killing was also an action against corporate irresponsibility. He went on to explain that, prior to the murder, he formed a corporation named Proud and Insolent Youth Incorporated, a name he took from the novel Peter Pan, in order to shield himself from prosecution. He even encouraged others to join his board of directors, and that the stock would be free. He explained that corporations were nothing but pirates and, like Peter Pan, he hated pirates. The posting was signed, Andy McCray. A few days later, Andrew flew from Washington State to New Hampshire and checked into a Holiday Inn across the street from the state house. He spoke to his parents on the phone and confessed to the murder. And in a turn of events, his parents actually turned their son in. The next day, SWAT surrounded the hotel and they attempted to coax Andrew out of the room. He requested to speak with a local reporter, Sarah Voss, of the Concord Monitor, and they agreed. Once on the phone, Andrew admitted to killing Officer Mobilio in an effort to protest the police brutality and asked her to read his Declaration of Independence posting. Once she agreed, he came out of his room with his hands up. But Andrew wasn't done making his point. At his arraignment, Andrew appeared shirtless, wrapped in a blanket with bandages around his head, declaring he was a political prisoner. His parents hired an attorney who immediately tried to challenge his competency and get him declared insane, but all this did was anger Andrew, who insisted on representing himself. Once in trial, Andrew continued with his antics. He made long, drawn-out statements that felt more like lectures and claimed that the jury was only getting one side of the story. His family and friends believed that he was guilty, but mentally unwell and not in control of his actions, much like the Unabomber. Which is why the Mickles reached out to someone who would understand their situation, David Kaczynski, brother of the Unabomber, who, too, turned his family member over to the police. The jury didn't seem to agree with Andrew's family and, in April of 2005, convicted him of first-degree murder and sentenced him to death. In 2016, the California Supreme Court agreed to uphold his conviction, and he remains at San Quentin awaiting execution. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 20th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price, and help you save when you bundle home and auto.